Hello and welcome back to the adventures of Lola Badiola. In the last chapter, we witnessed an improvement in Lola's professional situation. She recovered some of her confidence, rediscovered her love of sales, and booked a meeting with the biggest fish in the market. But what is happening in her personal life? Is it also improving? Let's find out. The Adventures of Lola Badiola Chapter 20 The Paella Eugenio Hernandez knew how to cook the perfect paella. He was a native of Denia in Valencia, where he grew up in a big house by the Mediterranean Sea with his parents and his grandparents. From the moment he could chop a carrot, he loved to cook. While his friends were in the street playing football, he was in the kitchen with his abuela boiling eggs, frying onions and baking bread. His abuela was responsible for cooking all the food in the house, and she taught him everything she knew. She showed him the best combination of seafood for a fidewa. She showed him how to pulverize the almonds to make the smoothest turon. But most importantly, she shared with him the secrets of the perfect paella. She explained to him that success depended on three key elements ingredients, timing, and witchcraft. She said that it was an intuitive process, more of a feeling than a technique. She told him that the only way to develop this feeling was to spend hours and hours in the kitchen, watching, learning, and assisting a master cook. And that is exactly what Eugenio did for the first 18 years of his life. But it wasn't only the cooking that attracted Eugenio to his abuela's kitchen. It was also her stories of action and adventure. She had been a blue angel in the Spanish Civil War and had engaged in acts of espionage against the Republican forces. Living and operating inside of Madrid, she had been an integral part of the Fifth Column, involved in countless acts of sabotage and disinformation that were the key to Franco's final victory. It was a secret that she shared with no one other than her beloved grandson. When Eugenio and Concha were both in town, they loved to entertain in their small apartment. They were the social epicentre of their community, and that Sunday they had invited eight friends for lunch. "'How's it going?' asked Lola as she walked into the kitchen with a glass of Rioja in her hand. Fine, replied Eugenio, bending down and looking at the enormous pan of simmering rice as if it were a science experiment. He had just reached the most critical stage in the preparation of the rabbit and artichoke dish. You know, in England they put chorizo in their paella, said Lola, laughing. It's a Jamie Oliver recipe. Eugenio didn't react. They say he'll never be allowed back into Valencia. Eugenio leaned forwards and inspected the rice at the edge of the paella, like a biologist might examine the specimens in a petri dish. How was the trip to the World Economic Forum? Fascinating. <laughs> Great. Lola took a sip of wine, 
and watched the stock bubbling away at the centre of the paella pan. So, where are you going next? China. Cool. It was clear from his one-word answers that Eugenio didn't want any distractions at that specific moment, so Lola excused herself and walked back into the living room. Concha was in the middle of telling a story about her recent visit to New York to the six guests who had already arrived. She had met the CFO of an investment bank who was contemplating a move to London. She had taken him out for lunch to discuss the terms and conditions of the offer. At the end of the meal, she had left some change as a tip. The waiter had followed her out of the restaurant and refused to let her get into a taxi until she paid him properly. Twenty percent! shouted Concha. He wanted twenty percent! The apartment intercom buzzed. The eighth and final guest had arrived. Concha was clearly distracted with the other guests, and Eugenio could not be disturbed, so Lola went to answer it. Hello, she said into the mouthpiece. Concha, said a man's voice. No, it's Lola. Oh, hi, Lola. Can you let me in? It took a moment for Lola to recognize the voice. Sure, she said, and pressed the button that opened the entrance from the street below. She felt butterflies in her stomach, and her heart started to race. It was the voice of Mr. Red Bull. She didn't know he was coming to lunch. She thought it was going to be a simple and relaxed Sunday afternoon with friends, a chance to forget all the stress in her life. After the grilling she had received from Interpol, her mind was fried. She needed the weekend to unwind, de-stress and recover. But with the arrival of Mr. Red Bull, the atmosphere of Sunday lunch, at least for Lola, had suddenly become deliciously tense. She opened the front door of the apartment. She could hear his footsteps running up the stairwell. She wondered if she should stay there and greet him herself, or just disappear amongst the other guests. As the footsteps grew louder and louder, her heart seemed to beat faster and faster, until the door of the apartment burst open and Mr. Red Bull walked in. He looked at Lola and smiled. Hello again, he said, and kissed her on both cheeks. Hi, Lola replied. They stood at the entrance, staring at each other for a moment, and then he said, Wow, that paella smells incredible. Lola was lost for words, like a teenager meeting her crush in the school hallway. She searched deep inside her brain for something intelligent to say, and the only thing she could think of was, You know, in England they sometimes put chorizo in their paella. So, things are getting deliciously tense in Lola's personal life. Before we talk more about this, let's look at a very common grammar mistake. Listen to this again. His abuela was responsible for cooking all the food in the house, and she taught him everything she knew. One of the most common errors that we hear when professionals are introducing themselves in a working environment is the incorrect use of responsible for. In many cases, people say the responsible of instead of simply responsible for. So, for example, it is quite common 
to hear a non-native speaker introduce themselves and then say something like, I am the responsible of marketing. When in fact they should say, I am responsible for marketing. There is no use of the definite article the in this expression, and the appropriate preposition is for and not of. Now just be very careful with this expression because we often use it when we are meeting people for the first time. And therefore, it's extremely important to get it right so that we can convey a good first impression of ourselves. Okay, let's have a look at another common error, this time in pronunciation. Have a listen to these sentences again. You know, in England, they put chorizo in their paella, said Lola, laughing. It's a Jamie Oliver recipe. The word recipe... R-E-C-I-P-E, recipe, is often mispronounced as receipt. Now, a recipe is a set of instructions for preparing a particular dish, usually including a list of all the ingredients required. That is a recipe. Not to be confused with a receipt, R-E-C-I-P-E. E-I-P-T, receipt. This is a written statement saying that money or goods have been received. Now, the word recipe is an important word, not just in a cooking sense, but also in a business sense. It is quite common to hear people ask the question, what is your recipe for success? It is also quite common to hear people say, This plan is a recipe for disaster. So make sure that you pronounce this word correctly and don't confuse it with the word receipt. Now, do you know who Jamie Oliver is? He is one of the most successful and famous celebrity chefs in the world. And he started on British TV when he was in his early 20s showing the British public how to make simple but really delicious, mainly Italian food. From there, he became an international sensation, writing countless cookery books, presenting countless TV programs, and also becoming a campaigner for healthy eating. It seemed like he could do no wrong. Until one day, he tried to cook a Spanish paella. And he made the fatal mistake of including chorizo in his paella. Now, this is considered sacrilege by many Spanish people. And they were merciless in their criticism and their attacks of Jamie Oliver. Indeed, He even received some death threats for his actions, although, of course, people were joking. But it did cause a very big reaction and a very big stir amongst the Spanish population. So this is what Lola Badiola is referring to. 
in a joking way in this particular chapter. Now, the interesting thing from a linguistic perspective about paella and chorizo is that native English speakers make no attempt to pronounce these words like the Spanish do. We say paella and chorizo instead of paella and chorizo. Now, this is in complete contrast to the way that native English speakers pronounce French words that have entered the English language. We make a big effort to pronounce French words like the French. Take the word croissant. Now, the sensible way of pronouncing this word would be croissant. But native English speakers pronounce it croissant. We try to sound French. And it's the same for words like café, buffet, and crème brûlée. Now, my argument is this. This is what I say to my fellow native English-speaking friends. If we try to pronounce these French words like the French, then we should try to pronounce the Spanish words that are in the English language like the Spanish. So we should say paella. We should say chorizo. Now, we might not get it exactly right, but the point is we're making an effort. We're showing respect to the other language. And speaking of respect, one more piece of advice. Whatever you do, do not put chorizo in your paella. Okay, let's continue our discussion of cross-cultural confusion with the following paragraph. Listen carefully. At the end of the meal, she had left some change as a tip. The waiter had followed her out of the restaurant and refused to let her get into a taxi until she paid him properly. 20%, shouted Concha. He wanted 20%. So, in which countries is a tip expected to be paid? And how much is appropriate? The rules are very different in different countries. So I think, well, certainly in my experience of traveling, at one extreme, you have the United States, where tipping is not even considered optional. It is compulsory, almost irrespective of the quality of the service you get. And that is because everybody in the United States knows that the vast majority of a waiter's salary is made up from the tips. They get an extremely low base salary because there's an expectation that they will be tipped. So if you don't tip a waiter or a barman in the United States, you are essentially treating him or her almost like a slave. And I have seen waiters in New York chase European tourists down the street demanding to be paid a tip of between 15 and 20% of the price of the meal. So you can imagine waiters in top restaurants in New York and other parts of the United States where people might pay a few hundred dollars for a bottle of wine can make a lot of money in tips. Now, at the other extreme, 
you have Japan, where a tip is not expected. The Japanese culture is one that is firmly rooted in dignity, respect, and hard work. As such, good service is considered the standard, and tips are viewed as unnecessary. In fact, it can be considered rude and insulting in many situations. And most Japanese restaurants require customers to pay for their meals at the front register rather than leaving money with the waiter or the waitress. So I think almost all countries, other countries, fall between these two extremes of Japan and the United States. And it is worthwhile investigating the tipping culture of the country that you are visiting so that you can avoid any misunderstanding or embarrassing situations. Okay, let's move on to some expressions. Have a listen to this again. She felt butterflies in her stomach and her heart started to race. It was the voice of Mr. Red Bull. She didn't know he was coming to lunch. To have butterflies in your stomach. This is a very common expression. And it means that you are feeling nervous and a little bit excited. And maybe, just maybe, you're falling in love. It is caused by a reduction of blood flow to the stomach. This is the result of the release of adrenaline. That is what we call the fight or flight response. And this causes increased heart rate and blood pressure, consequently sending more blood to the muscles and less blood to the stomach. And that is why you get these sensations, these fluttery sensations, as if there were a butterfly within your stomach. Okay, here's the next expression. She thought it was going to be a simple and relaxed Sunday afternoon with friends, a chance to forget all the stress in her life. After the grilling she had received from Interpol, her mind was fried. A grilling is where you are asked a series of difficult and direct questions that cause you to feel under pressure, making your body and your face hot, as if you are being grilled like a steak on a barbecue. You might get grilled at an interview for a job. You might get grilled by a lawyer in a court. Or in Lola's case, you get grilled by Interpol during their investigation. Now, if this pressure continues to increase, it might even fry your mind. This is when your brain feels so overloaded, so overwhelmed by work and stress that you cannot think straight. Okay, one final piece of vocabulary. It's a good one to know. Lola was lost for words like a teenager meeting her crush in the school hallway. Literally, crush means to compress or squeeze forcefully to distort the shape of something. But in this sense, within this chapter, it has a different but related meaning. A crush is a brief but intense infatuation for someone else especially someone who is unobtainable. 
It's the process of having your heart compressed, squeezed and forcefully distorted in shape by another human being. Do you remember your first ever crush? What was their name? Do you remember what they did to your heart? The compression? The distortion? It's a feeling that few of us will ever forget. And on that note, we come to the end of today's session. And remember, if you would like to improve your English in a more formal way, you can join me on our business English platform. Just search Club Grattan on Google and you will find us. And we hope that you can join us for our next session. Until then, keep practicing and remember to never ever put chorizo in your paella. <laughs>